this is Angelo with Danceable Thoughts, and this is our weekly podcast. Hear it tonight, use it tomorrow. Well, hi there. Welcome to Sunday night. I know a lot of you have just uh, finished up a competition weekend. Some of you are in an extended holiday setting. You might have had staff development on Friday or you will have President's Day off on Monday, some variation on that. So I am honored and thankful that in your downtime, you have taken the opportunity to spend a little time with me and all my very crazy danceable thoughts. My topic of the week is one point more. Okay, that one's kind of tricky because uh, that's very I'm going to say that's very competition, score, achievement-oriented point of view. I'm going to take you to another way. I'm going to reframe that one point more because you're thinking you want one more point on that score sheet. I'm going to say, how do you get 1% more from your dancers, whether it is in the performance setting, the rehearsal setting, or your regular class students? How do you get them to give you 1% more? Because if we would just incrementally improve and maintain those achievements as we go forward, look and think about the potential for great changes for whatever area that you feel is your weakness, whether it's their showmanship and their projection, whether it's their technical execution, the precision element, those types of things. That 1% more is something that you can get from them. You can go with one point more because we're in contest mode and that topic popped into my mind. I was listening to my friend's conversation. Uh, They were talking about the difference from the top scoring team to fifth place scoring team. It was basically a one point difference because we now use all these fractions. We use all these averages. We could do a whole lesson on the math of that, but I don't know if we want to do that today. But this one point thing is really getting to some of you, and I understand that. I was a very competitive person, but I'm going to take it to an achievable thing because you say to yourself, wow, I don't know if I could change my scores by one point. Well, I I really think you can, and I think that when I took this to social media and allowed the conversations to flow on there, which will be ongoing throughout the next couple of days, so visit the Danceable Thoughts Facebook page and uh, jump into the conversation, the consensus and answer was some variation on performance quality, showmanship, confidence, their energy level, and reminding you, you heard it from me in an earlier podcast, this is something our students themselves can take responsibility for. You are not the one that can ramp up their energy. Of course, you can get them excited to be performing. You can give them the deep and important emotional context of their lyrical or their modern or contemporary piece. You can help them get aggressive. But those are all external things. What you've got to do is convince your students to be more performance-oriented acting, as I often say, but it comes from the energy that they put into what they're doing. So I want to remind you, they've got to rehearse with energy. And you say, Angela, yeah, for the grace of God go I, I wish I could get them to rehearse with more energy. That comes from what you demand of them. And if you will be a little bit more about the way they rehearse and the energy and the performance quality they rehearse with, you're going to get results. It has a lot to do with pacing 
It has a lot to do with giving them clear expectations that you want them to work on their facial expressions, their showmanship. Maybe you have to give them an incentive of some sort, but you can do it. You can get them to work on that. Some people like to choreograph facials. I'm going to say that there's one thing probably across the board you could all encourage your students to do, and that is to become entirely more conscious and aware of their posture their chin lift from under their their chin down to their sternum their shoulders back so their body carriage we've kind of drifted away from the old-fashioned words of showmanship smile project because we create so many different moods and energies in our artistic endeavors with our choreography and we've moved more into like I said a an energy mode a performance quality that's based on the body carriage, the presence that they bring to the floor. They have to work on it in rehearsal. It's one of those conversations that we have often. We've got to be relentless about saying it to them and give them the opportunity to do that. Also on the Facebook feed was a conversation about details. And uh, someone said feet, working on their feet. Well, beautiful feet, pointed feet, long extended ankles. That has to do with muscle memory. That has to do with habits that they need to form. Uh, That's something that's a technique thing that you cannot decide just now that you're going to improve their feet. But you can strengthen their feet and strengthen their ankles by adding into your warm-up some tendus, some releves, some degages, and even deep demi-plies where you're checking for their rolling. The feet come off the floor. We look for the alignment of the ankle. The feet at the top of a kick, a batma, we're looking at the, the shape of the foot. That's a 1% thing that they can work on every single day, and hopefully you'll see some improvement down the road. There's a lot to be talked about when we talk about the details because that's really so much in the eye of the beholder. If you want me to tell you the details, I can go once again through an entire conversation from their feet up to their faces. I encourage you to listen to that podcast again because I really, my objective with that was to get you to change the way you look at the way the students are moving and the way you are looking at your polishing and cleaning process and you with a fresh detail oriented eye can then prioritize what you feel like has the most room for improvement. So it could be turnout from the hip. It could be something about their core alignment. You know, maybe you have to do something hilarious, like tell them to dance the entire dance, whatever style it is, as if they had on a super tight girdle. So you're talking to them about belly button to backbone. And you can do it in a funny way, but it points out to them that they have some room for improvement. It could be the strength of their arm positions. It could be the details related to their hand shapes. That whole idea of precision that encompasses so much when we talk about details, there's also something that you may have overlooked And I want to talk to you about it because that's always my goal is for me to tell you something that you didn't necessarily think of in the first place. And that is spacing. And you think, well, duh, Angela, formations. No, not just formations, the shape that you hope that they achieve, but their actual spacing and formations. So if you had any marching band background, they talk often about the interval, the empty space between dancers. And so when we are looking from above and we look down at the floor, we can see when a formation is off, but we don't always know um, why it's off. So, oh, the dogs are chiming in on their opinion of spacing and interval. 
I want you to think about the alignment that your dancers are utilizing. And one of the things that they teach in marching band is that you are responsible for the space in front of you. Okay, think about that. You, you cannot allow your dancers to turn around and see if they're lined up with somebody behind them. That makes sense. I'm picking the recording back up. I had to take a slight pause because the doggies really had a lot to say about somebody walking past my house. So what I was talking about was marching band and the emphasis the doggies are going to continue to put in their two cents about the marching band idea. Some of you are like, doggies, I'm with you on that growl. One of the things you learn in marching band fundamentally is, and you are responsible for using your peripheral vision to keep your alignment. I know that you've taught that in some ways to your students, but it might be something that you taught in football season, uh, you taught early in the year, and then you let it go. So spacing, why is that a one percenter thing? Well, for one thing, you have to remind yourself where your I'm going to call them your important audience members at this point, your judges, because you're looking for that one point addition to your score. They are looking from up top. They're looking down and into your performance. Almost every company in Texas, anyway, puts their judges up pretty high. So you're looking down and into the performance. And as a judge, as an adjudicator, I can scan the hole and look at the shape. So here's some critical things to remember about spacing. That often the mistake is that dancers want to dance too far forward. If you look at your videos, here's an important idea. Look at lines behind center. So let's say you have a four-line form. Okay, so line two and line three are splitting the middle of the gym. Look and see if line three is a little too far forward. They tend to see it a little bit forward. So if you have five lines, you have a line down the center of the gym, you definitely can look at line four and see where they are in alignment. The other group that tends to creep forward is line two, obviously, because they um, they can look at the, the you know the setup of line one, and usually they're working in windows, and then they creep forward. Well, line two set you have often heard this line two sets the diagonal or sets the slope of the diagonal, and you know everybody's got a triangle, so I would love for you to look at line two and see if they are starting it off too close together. So really find opportunities to see how you can create a well-defined interval between all of your dancers. It's something that you don't get a lot of gym time for, but if you do get to work in a gym and you can get up high enough to have a very similar perspective that the adjudicators will have, this is something I want you to look at, spacing. Now, why spacing is important? Why would 1% spacing make a difference? Is that really on your score sheets? Because the interval and the spacing affects what we see as far as precision. Think about it. When they're in windows and we can look and see, we see the be- that is our best opportunity to look at all the dancers. When they're in a file, all we are actually looking at is their alignment. We're looking to see if their tops of their heads are making a perfect file. And then as they lean out to the right or to the left, we are looking to see if they're stepping the same width. There's so much going on right now in choreography with files that I want you to take an opportunity to have a 
a cleaning session on the sternum of their body to their backbone. Talk to them about doing that alignment. They can't just look at shoulders. And then anytime any movement has them step out, regardless of how short, tall, or medium they are, they need to also be thinking about where their foot is in alignment with the other dancers. So spacing and precision fall together and uh, they might get you that extra point. So precision isn't always just about the individual dancer. It's about the spacing and the way they are aligned on the floor. And uh, it has an impact that sometimes I think people overlook. When I look down at a, a group and I see that they are consistently dancing far apart on one side of the form and very narrow on, you know, like stage left tends to be very close together and stage right needs to be really far apart. I often laugh about something from my own past when I realized that all the junk in my dance room was on one side or the other. And so that was the way the dancers got used to dancing. Oh, I have plenty of room over here. And the other group said, oh, I'm always running out out of room. So think about spacing and interval as a 1% area, a one point area you might be able to improve on. Another 1% thing, a one point thing that I want you to think about is editing your choreo down. I don't mean doing an Angela and tossing out the whole dance and changing it, okay, or entire sections of the dance. Hashtag, I did that for an ending one time. But there are some things that you can edit out of your choreo. There's a time. Notice I said things, not people, because right now the model seems to be, mm, I'll just add this dancer back in on the part that he or she achieves most easily, and I'm going to take them out of this. I did not say edit people out of the choreo, but I know some of you thought that. There are some things, some steps, some movement, some choices creatively that you really hoped would gel and if you are at week two or three and it's still not hitting and you got at least another two or three performances of that choreo it's probably time to do a little simple editing you got to parse some of those little um, rough edges out of there we're only looking for a one percent difference so Maybe you had en envisioned this, you know, really creative, amazing, super fast gesture arm phrase. It was super cool. It could be in palm. It could be in hip hop. It could be in jazz. It could be, you know, contemporary. And it's this super intricate movement phrase using and counts. If it was in my day, it would have been a military phrase. You may have to get rid of some of those a and a counts, or you may need to take something from one count, one count, one count into two counts, two counts, single, single, single. You can still play with the rhythm. You can still have the complexity there, but you've got to make some edits. And if you make those edits, that's kind of very much what we talked about Wednesday in the live um live chat on Facebook talking about building muscle memory to help those changes stay with the kiddos. So these are some thoughts that I want you to play with. What could you edit out of the choreography? And no, you may not edit out people. You're going to make modifications, simple modifications to the choreography to make it a little bit easier to read so that shapes hit, that shapes and, and paths are clear. You're going to make it easier to watch. So that's a 1% thing. Don't go crazy. 1%. 1 point. My final conversation on this topic is a very heartfelt one. When it comes down to the last thought about one point on a score sheet, 
you've got to remember this is as much as we hope for it to be an objective process, it is subjective. You go to a contest and generally there are three judges, three adjudicators up there so that you'll have three different points of view. You will have three different personalities. You will have three uh, unique perspectives. Someone is really into precision. Someone else is really into the way the choreography is structured. Someone else is really into the technical execution. That is part of it. So they come from an area of expertise in an area or several areas. That's really the most optimal situation. But there's a moment where it's going to be subjective. We do not videotape the dance and then go put it on slow motion, stop motion, um, coach's eye, and uh, evaluate it and put a score down. Your performance, your student's performance, is a first impression that they make on the audience and they make on the judges. A first impression. So really send that home to your kiddos. That will help you with where we started this conversation about confidence, showmanship, performance quality. That's energy that they bring to the floor. It's a first impression. That's what you want to remind them that it's a subjective situation, that the process of performing, dancing, creating art is that you are experiencing the dance for yourself and the audience is going to have an opinion. That's why we go and we call it judging or adjudicating. They are going to have a subjective opinion. We hope that those opinions are based on experience, their levels of expertise in a specific area. But at the end of the day, it is a subjective score. And your students, your dancers are out there making a first impression with their performance. So maybe share that with the kids this week. I hope that's the idea that you will take from this is that you first want to find a point, a single point that they can improve on. That's going to probably come from you evaluating your critiques, looking at your score sheets, looking at their, and then making an objective choice, making a priority list of things that you hope to improve between the next performance, and then being realistic, a 1% improvement. And if you do 1% better each and every day, both you as their leader and those beautiful dancers as your co-creators of these great performances, then I feel that you're going to experience, um, some really wonderful things going into your next adjudicated performance. So I hope you'll use these ideas of hear it tonight and you won't just use them tomorrow, but you're going to use them all week long. Thank you for joining us and uh, check in with me on Wednesday, Wednesday evening, probably I will do another go live. So I hope you'll be there. Thanks for listening. This has been Angelo with Danceable Thoughts.